0: Hello, friends. It's time for the second hour of Open Line with Dr. Michael Wright-Dellnick, Moody Radio's Bible study across America, where we're talking about your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. My name is Michael Wright-Dellnick. I'm the professor of Jewish studies and Bible at Moody Bible Institute, also vice president and academic dean of the undergraduate school. I'm coming to you live from Chicago. If you have a question, give me a call. The phone number is 877 548 three six seven five that's eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five you can always post your question by going to open radio.org click on the link that says or actually fill out the form that says ask michael a question and your question will be added to the mailbag but give me a call right now it's a good time always at the beginning of the hour eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five couple of lines are open uh while you're calling, let me just say, when I was a freshman at Moody Bible Institute, every student, all the freshmen, were required to read Balancing the Christian Life by Charles Ryrie. It was just such a biblical, wise approach to how to grow as a follower of Jesus. It had tremendous impact on my life, uh, so much so that when I decided to go to seminary, I chose to go where Dr. Ryrie taught. I actually had to, the, the privilege of uh, studying under him in two classes. I still I still think this book is an excellent tool to help us all grow as believers, and it can be yours when you give a gift of any size to OpenLine. Just call 888-644-7122 or go to OpenLineRadio.org. And remember, ask for Balancing the Christian Life. And we're going to go right to the phones right now and we're going to speak with Diane in Georgia. Uh, welcome to Open Line, Diane. How can I help you?
1: Yes. Hello, Michael. Thank you. Let me turn my uh, radio down a little bit here. Um, my question is from Matthew ten twenty-eight, where the word destroy is... Oh, I need to turn this radio off. Um, where it uses the word destroy, does this mean that humans could actually cease to exist? And also it was interesting you had used the John 3:16 today. Someone called in about that. Um, I've heard that verse, the perish in that verse, used to support eventual annihilation of humans who ultimately reject God and do not want to live with Him forever. So I guess my question is are we are we created for eternity when we breathe our first breath? Do we live on forever or is or is there a chance that we will be annihilated if we do not choose God?
0: Well I, I don't I don't think that the word destruction means cease to exist. Uh in Matthew ten twenty eight, 28, uh, it, it means uh, uh, the idea there is that to to kill the body and soul. And I, I think that would have to do with separation from God. I think that too often, well, I think there's enough in Scripture about their uh, perpetual, unceasing uh, separation from God that the Lord Jesus speaks about. In, in, uh, in Matthew, that I think it's a, it would be a mistake uh, to say that somehow there's annihilation again with the with the idea of perishing in John three sixteen. Uh, it says, "For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish." And that has to do with being separated from God. It doesn't have to do with uh, uh, ceasing to exist uh, it says in uh, in Matthew 24 uh, it talks about that uh, uh, he'll come to pieces sign him a place with the hypocrites in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth it repeats it again in Ma- Matt. the last verse of Matthew 24 uh, it says in Matthew uh Twenty-five thirty. He, they are th- uh, the good for nothing slave is thrown into outer darkness in that place where they'll be weeping, gnashing of teeth. And Then in verse forty-six it says they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Uh, of course, you've got the great white throne judgment, where uh, the in the great white throne judgment, everyone is resurrected. The sea gave up its dead, and death and Hades gave up their dead. This is Revelation 20, verse 13. All were judged according to their works. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, The previous verse, it says uh, that in the lake of fire, they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. So I think we've got a really serious issue when it comes to the issue of hell. Uh, it's not something you know people want to just feel better about it that that somehow there's going to be an extinguishing of the souls. But it looks to me from the words of Jesus and in the Book of Revelation that this is perpetual, and uh, uh, it's it's very serious. We should never take it lightly. We should it should be the great motivation. That we have to let people know that that e- that eternal life is possible, that forgiveness of sins is possible, and they have to trust in Jesus. Uh, it should be our great motivating factor to let people know that they can have uh, abundant eternal life with the Lord Jesus. So uh, that's my uh, that's that's my take on it. I I'm unconvinced by the annihilationists. It uh, sounds to me like you, you've you been hearing some of that. Is that right, Diane?
1: It, is it? And see, and then I started looking at it, and everywhere I read, you know, eternal, like Hebrews 5, our obedience to Christ gains us eternal salvation. Hebrews 6 talks about the resurrection of the dead and eternal punishment or judgment. I forget which word it was. So, But people are saying, is this, Something significant enough to break faith with other Christians over. I mean, how does it come down to the way we live our life today? Is is is? Do we even need to care about it? But then people want to say, well, we don't know, and it it could be that there will be annihilation. So, is this something we should say? Yeah, we just leave it for the future. There could be annihilation, but to me, it does have. It's a foundational concept of whether humans live forever once we are created by God or yeah. whether we don't.
0: I think C.S. Lewis was right when he said there's no such thing as a mortal person. We're all immortal beings and mm-hmm. either immortal glories or immortal horrors is the way he put it. Uh, I, 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 th- I don't think, however, that this is an essential doctrine of whether God is... Uh, you know the the eternal consciousness of people uh who don't know the Lord I don't think that is essential i think i I personally think it's really wrong a mistaken teaching teaching, but I wouldn't break fellowship with people who think that that's
2: mm-hmm.
0: okay mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a core doctrine a person uh uh you know if a person denies the triunity of God, the deity of, of Jesus, things like that. Those are core issues that, that take us mm-hmm. out of the faith. This is not one of those. Okay?
1: Okay, okay. Yeah. So, all right. Thank you very much. I appreciate yeah. it.
0: Yeah, thanks for your call. I appreciate it. Uh, we're going to talk with Peggy. Peggy? Did I get it wrong? Peggy in Chicago, the Sound of Hi. Well, this is Peggy. Peggy. Good okay. Pe- yeah. Good, yeah. Peggy. How how you doing? It, the I'm good. It, it, good the scr- the screen said Peggy. I thought, well, that doesn't seem like a real name. So-
2: <laughs> no, it is Peggy. Okay. <laughs> good morning, doctor.
0: Good morning. I am how you
2: doing? on Saturday morning.
0: I'm doing I'm great. So how excited. can I help you?
2: i had a concern with the scripture in uh, Matthew, I think it's 26, that talks about the soldiers who were watching the tomb and the resurrection, and they went to the city and told the chief priest all that had transpired. And uh, they saw what happened, but when I looked uh, look for who was the first one to see Jesus, they say Mary Magdalene. So they saw everything that happened that, yeah, but, uh, Is that
0: the understanding. they said i look here at matthew 27 and it says uh uh the next day uh they say that uh set up a guard because he said he'll be raised from the dead that, uh, so that you have a guard of soldiers, Pilate told them, go and make it as secure as you know how. They went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting the guard. But then it doesn't say anything about the soldiers seeing the resurrected Lord. They were there to prevent them from saying he's resurrected. But then uh-huh. I go right to Matthew 28. On the first day of the week, it was dawning Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. And suddenly there was uh, a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb, he rolled back the stone, was sitting on it. So the it appears that that's the first uh, revelation of the resurrection. So that's why an angel rolled away the stone from Jesus' tomb okay, before what sunrise. About, what,
2: what about the encounter that the, the soldiers...
0: What, what I was saying is that there is no record of an encounter with soldiers.
2: Yes, they said they went. Oh, am I reading the? Are we reading uh, the same
0: Bible? (laughs) I'm reading Matthew 27. It says that Pilate put a a group of soldiers there, uh, and they were to secure the 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 tomb and set a guard. But it doesn't say that they saw the resurrection. Who knows when that earthquake hit? They may have run. But they didn't see the empty tomb. They didn't uh, see the angel. They never saw the resurrected Lord.
2: Okay, what about the scripture that they said they told them, that they told them all that they had seen? I'm trying to find it again. I I didn't have my
0: Later on, it says they were on their way. Some of the guards came to the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. And after the priests had assembled with the elders and agreed on a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money and told them, say this, his disciples came during the night and told him while we were still sleeping, stole them while we were still sleeping. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. Uh, but it doesn't say they saw the resurrected Lord. They just saw that there was an earthquake.
2: Oh. well. When, when I was reading, it said they told them all that had, had, was done. I thought they had saw as, everything.
0: No, they didn't see everything. They just saw that there was an earthquake, and they fled. And uh, that's why they could say this thing, that someone stole his body. Okay? So the, the oh. they weren't witnesses to the resurrection. Okay?
2: They weren't. Okay.
0: No. But you know what's so cool? Is that the two Marys, Mary Magdalene was one of them, uh, that that Peter and uh, uh, the, the disciples and even Doubting Thomas and up to 500 people, if you read First Corinthians 15, they So many saw the Lord Jesus alive. It's one of the best attested truths in history, that Jesus, who died for us, was raised from the dead. Uh, The tomb is still empty. You know, I went to Israel last week, and we were by the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and there is a tomb in there. It's still empty. (laughs) Just so you know. (laughs) It's still empty. Uh, That was uh, the place where Jesus was raised from the dead. he The tomb is empty. It's good news, don't you think?
2: That's good news, uh, doctor. But I was thinking that if all this rumbling was going on, I thought they would have saw something. You, you're saying you think they ran away? And didn't yep, they ran anything? away at the
0: earthquake. Yeah, they didn't see anything. So. Oh,
2: okay. Well, okay. Well, okay.
0: Okay. Thanks for your call. I really appreciate it. Call again, Peggy, okay? Oh, my. So uh, there's a dispute in Israel. Uh, there's the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, which from earliest times was recognized as the place of crucifixion and the tomb where Jesus was laid and where the resurrection happened. And then, of course, in the 19th century, they discovered the Garden Tomb, and some have made the argument that that was the, the place. I, I think the clarity is uh, the, way I, I, the way we do it when we're in Israel is i take people to the church of the holy sepulchre so they can see what i think is the actual site of the resurrection and then we we go over to the garden tomb because the church of the holy sepulchre doesn't feel right it's just been built up and the church is there and there's a lot of incense and it just doesn't seem right uh, but it is on the other hand you go to the the garden tomb and it feels just perfect so as a result uh, that seems the best place. We're going to take a break here. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll, the key is that Jesus is raised, regardless of which tomb you go to. We're going to be right back with more of your questions in just a moment on Open Line with Michael Ray Dalmick. Welcome back to Open Line with me, Michael Rydelnick. You know, we just got back from Israel. While I was there, a few people uh, on the tour, the Open Line tour to Israel, uh, were kitchen table partners, and I got to meet people who were, I guess they 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 enjoy the program enough that they came to Israel with me. I'm so grateful for that. But also, uh, they are kitchen table partners. They commit a monthly gift to Open Line, so we can keep our weekly Bible study on the air. I'm so grateful for all our listeners, but I especially appreciate those kitchen table partners. They are faithful and generous, and it means so much to me. One recently wrote on Facebook, if you listen to Open Line regularly, you should become a kitchen table partner too. Maybe you never crossed your mind to think of doing that, but I hope you will. I hope you'll consider it. Thanks for that encouraging word. You can become a kitchen table partner and give monthly to OpenLine. And when you do, I'll send you a Bible study moment. It's an audio Bible study designed exclusively for kitchen table partners. Get it in your email and listen to it and hopefully be encouraged by God's word. Uh, Become a kitchen table partner today by calling 888-644-7122. Or you can sign up online by going to OpenLineRadio.org. And we're going to speak with Bill in Cincinnati, Ohio, listening to Moody Radio Online. Uh, welcome to Open Line, Bill. How can I help you?
2: Hey, thank you, Dr. Donick. It's great to be able to talk to you again. Um, I, I listened to a prominent uh, theologian, pastor, for 40 years, and um, he said that Jesus destroyed the Abrahamic covenant.
0: Really? But On what basis? Yeah, and you know you know him. And yeah, I don't know. He's, I know uh, him? I doubt that I know him. I doubt it. Oh yeah, I you, may know yeah, of you him.
2: Know who he is. Yeah. Yeah, know of him, right. Yeah. Um and I said, no, I I don't think that's I, I just was surprised that he said something that strong.
0: Yeah. Well, I I just don't think so when you read uh Galatians it talks about how the Law of Moses was uh, added alongside uh, to the Abrahamic Covenant, the Covenant of Moses. And uh, it says that when the the Law of Moses, the Covenant of Moses, was rendered inoperative, it didn't end the Abrahamic Covenant. And so uh, that's in Galatians chapter 3 so uh i i don't i mean i'm looking for the exact verse where it says this uh, i'm trying to
2: i'm i've been trying to understand why why would he come up with that um uh, i don't know he made a new new covenant
0: (laughs) yeah but that's a that's a expression of the abrahamic the abrahamic covenant has three aspects land for the Jewish people, a seed, offspring for the Jewish people, many and one in particular, the Messiah, and uh, land, seed, and blessing, blessing for the whole world through the seed of Abraham. Ultimately, that's through the New Covenant uh, that all people can benefit from it. Uh, And so, uh, it just, here, the law, which came 430 years later, does not revoke a covenant that was previously ratified by God, and cancel the promise. What that's saying is that the law was added alongside, uh, and then it says that the law was rendered inoperative, but the Abrahamic covenant continues. So, uh, you know, what can I say? Uh, here's, Here's what Romans, what Paul says in Romans chapter 11. It even talks about the unbelief of Israel. And it says there that they are opposition to the gospel uh, in Romans eleven twenty eight, uh, But regarding election, they are loved because the, pa- because the patriarchs, since God's gracious gifts and calling, are irrevocable. Uh, and so in Romans eleven twenty nine God's gracious gift of the Abrahamic covenant is irrevocable. Uh, it also says in Romans 9, and this is with a present tense, really important. Uh, it says, to the Israelites belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants. It still belongs to Israel. The giving of the law, the temple service, and the promises. The ancestors are theirs, and from them by physical descent came the Messiah, who is God over all, praised forever. So what belongs to the, the Jewish people? Present tense, the covenants, uh, the Abrahamic covenant in particular so uh bill what can i say i don't you know right uh everyone's entitled to their opinion but you know it's not that would not be supported by scripture what what you heard okay and maybe yeah, who knows I bill ma- maybe you now. misunderstood who knows so <laughs>
2: no very clear I was, okay. I was really surprised
0: okay well good well, thanks, thanks so much for your call. Appreciate it. Uh, we're going to speak with Zach in Winter Haven, Florida, listening on WKES. Welcome to Open Line, Zach. How can I help you?
3: Hey, Doctor Delnick. Thanks for taking my call. Um, so, my question is kind of related to the Trinity. Uh, for most of my life, I've been praying. When I, you know, start my prayer, I'm directing it. Um, I'm I'm using terms like you know, dear Lord or Heavenly Father. Um, I don't ever find myself praying specifically to Jesus, um, or to, you know, like the Holy Spirit. And I had just wondered, you know, are there times where should, we should be specifically directing our prayer to one of the, I guess, Trinity members or, um, you know, are they all, are they all aware while I'm, I'm praying to one? It sounds silly to say out loud, but, um, it's just yeah. something that kind of popped into my head
0: recently. Well, uh, the disciples asked the Lord Jesus to teach them to pray. Do you remember that? And he Yeah, taught I remember them to that. And
3: said, That's where the, the Lord's prayer comes from.
0: Yeah, he says, and when you pray, pray in this way. And he gives them a model prayer. Not that we should pray that prayer over and over, but this is sort of the a model that we can base our prayers on. And where does it start? Do you remember?
3: Um, it starts with the Father.
0: Yeah, that's right. We pray to the Father in heaven, right? right. Uh, there's only one prayer in Scripture that I can find uh, that's directed to the Lord Jesus, believe it or not. Uh, and that's in uh, Acts 7:59. It says, that, As they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And the reason why is... He saw a vision of the Lord Jesus at that moment remember uh, it says when they heard this is if you go a few verses before uh, Stephen filled with the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven he saw God's glory with Jesus standing at the right hand of God and he said look I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God so why did he direct his prayer to the Lord Jesus because he just saw him but that's the only example in Scripture of a prayer that directed to the lord jesus so i'm guessing uh that the time to pray to the lord jesus is to pray when you're being martyred and you have a vision of heaven and you see him then pray direct your prayers to the lord jesus although i i'm, I'm being a little facetious there uh the truth of it is that we are directed in scripture to pray to the father in the name of the son by the power of the holy spirit that's that's the model that we have in Scripture. The, the, the direction of our prayers is to the Father. And the Lord Jesus taught us in the Upper Room Discourse to pray, ask for anything in my name, he said. In the book of Hebrews, we're told that he is our great high priest who mediates before the Father for us. He represents us. And so we pray to the Father in the name of the Son. And then, of course, we pray in the Spirit. That, uh, that You can find that in Ephesians 6.18, where it says, praying in the Spirit, that doesn't mean in a foreign language that you hadn't learned, like some people think, that means in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request. That means in the power and direction of the Holy Spirit. So, uh, I think it's a fairly simple model in Scripture. We pray to the Father in the name of the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit as we seek God's will. And uh, it's amazing. If only we would do that more, I think we'd have a lot more strength and power in our prayer lives. Well, we're going to come back with the mailbag in just a moment. Karen's waiting, so stay with us. This is Michael Rajelnik on Open Line. Back. My name is Michael like You're listening to Open Line, and Karen Hendren is joining me right now uh, to bring the mailbag questions that you've sent in. All you have to do is go to OpenLineRadio.org and click on uh, the 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 part where it says "Ask Michael a question." You fill out that form and send it in. And uh, I won't say Karen, but Tricia will put it in the mailbag. Karen. You've got the mailbag there. Uh, okay. So before <laughs> b- before we we go to the mailbag, I have two things I want to talk about with you. Okay. First of all, did you hear what I said before, first hour, I talked about that today we're announcing the Journeys of Paul tour? Yes, the,
4: yes. It looks the, fantastic.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the amazing thing is the the ship. I think that there's a lot of amazing things about it. I think having Dr. Job and Dr. Stoll teach on the trip is going to be fantastic, and Uh, The places we're going is fantastic. But, you know, Ephesus and Miletus and uh, we're going to go to Philippi and Thessaloniki and Athens and Corinth. But that ship, that tall ship with the sails, people say, oh, that's just beautiful. But don't you get seasick? I actually went on that ship. I got all prepared with, you know, these hand these bands for your hand in case you get seasick, uh-huh. and Dramamine. I took all that. Didn't use any of it. Oh, that's it great. Was, yeah. And it, listeners it
4: was, can can look at the website because it that that ship is. I'm looking at it right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just amazing. The Star Clipper. So we're we chartered that. We're gonna have a great time. So check out OpenLineRadio.org. The banner across tells about the trip. You click. It's uh, we're gonna have to clarify something. It says when you go to that page that you click on from the banner it'll say to register but if you want more details click on register you don't have to register you can just get the more details about the trip if you click on the register link uh but anyway that's that's one fun thing and then the second thing is uh you know the the summer is about to come there's still some people who are thinking about where they're going to go to college they're unsure and if you are a listener and and you're unsure or if uh If your child, your your teenage child or grandchild is unsure, I happen to believe the best place to get a foundation for life uh, did it for me was the Moody Bible Institute. And so, uh, if you're listening out there, that's the second thing. You, you, Karen, you come on the weekends. You work at Moody Bible Institute, but do you encounter the students here ever?
4: Um, Once in a while.
0: Mainly the ones that work as call screeners, screeners right yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah we've we've got great students, and they they are there getting prepared to be to represent the Lord Jesus everywhere they go in life it's It is a great place, and so check out moody.edu. You can go there and check out our school. I hope that uh, if there's anyone that's still unsure where they want to go to college next year. This is the place for you. We've just got a few spaces open, just a few. So now's the time to act if you're interested. So I just I wanted to mention that. So anyway, uh, I thought maybe we'd uh, you've you've picked out the questions. We've looked at them. I let's see. I don't even remember what I said would be uh, the questions that that. So just go ahead. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well we'll
4: start I will start with a a question coming out of Washington state by uh Andrea uh, uh-huh. she wants to know if it's considered a continual state of adultery if you're remarried after a divorce
0: okay uh you know it's it it, it says that if a person marries uh after a illegitimate divorce they are committing adultery and what I mean by an illegitimate divorce the Bible doesn't say that divorce is always illegitimate uh, Jesus talked about it, except for cause of immorality uh, you shouldn't we shouldn't divorce uh, and even then we don't have to but it's permitted uh, he also in first Corinthians 7 the Apostle Paul talked about in such cases like abandonment by a non-believer that uh, uh, the person is is not forbidden, for, uh, is is at liberty to remarry, if they've been abandoned by a nonbeliever, and in such cases, so there are such things as legitimate divorces. But what happens if a person gets divorced, remarries, and it's an illegitimate divorce? Are they perpetually? Uh, in in adultery? Do they have to break up their next marriage? And uh, it seems to me that the best thing to do and the best way to look at this is a person uh, who comes to the conviction that their divorce was illegitimate and they shouldn't have remarried, that they have to live where they're at now. They have to confess their sin. It's not the scarlet letter. They don't have to wear it forever. They just need to confess and move on. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it's a perpetual state of adultery. It's a, it was a bad choice. It was a sin. It needs to be confessed and then move on. But I remember when I was uh, uh, a new pastor, there was a couple in my congregation. They both had been divorced illegitimately. Then they married each other. They had four boys, little boys, and the husband came to the conviction that he had not should not have remarried, and he abandoned the family and i i chased him down basically and said listen you don't correct one sin by committing another sin you have a family that you're responsible for so what you need to do is you and your wife need to confess and move on but don't destroy the family that you have now because of re, you know realizing that you made that mistake that's how i would look at it
4: yeah i th- i think it's it's just a very difficult um principle for people Mm -hmm. you know to kind of wrap their heads around and understand yeah
0: yeah but uh, i think the the difficult principle is oh i'm in a perpetual state of divorce what's really hard for people to understand is the grace of god and his mercy and that his care for the family doesn't want us to be destroying another family to fix the previous problem so that's let's let's trust the grace of god so anyway uh, what else you got? Okay,
4: for me? well, uh, another question out of Washington State from Linda, who listens in on KMBI. She wants to know why, in Matthew 17, it jumps from verse 20 to 22, skipping verse
0: 21. Okay. Oh, so in Matthew 17, here's it's the situation with the demon that wouldn't come out. Am I right? That's it. Yeah. Uh, they said, why couldn't we drive it out? Verse 20. Because of your little faith, he told them, for I assure you, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you'll tell this mountain, move from here. And then, verse 22, now my Bible has it, verse 21, but it's in brackets. Mm-hmm. And then verse 22, it's out of the brackets again. And the, the explanation is that uh, uh, ma- many manuscripts omit the bracketed text and that's just it, that the earliest and best manuscripts of the New Testament don't have that uh, bracketed or the the verse, that the verse 21 that some say is left out. Uh, it's just that uh, the best and earliest manuscripts didn't have it. And so the original Bible, the true Bible, if you're doing careful textual criticism, uh, it's not that uh, people are taking stuff out of the Bible, it's just that in... Uh, later times, like the early Middle Ages, people added stuff to the Bible, and so now we're doing good textual criticism. Where we're saying, ah, that's that's a suspect verse; it probably wasn't in there hmm. at the beginning. Interesting. So.
4: Okay, uh, we're gonna follow this with another question from Washington State from Steve. Wow, three Washingtons <laughs> three. in a row. <laughs> yeah, lots of that, lots of open line fans yeah. well, in that's, Washington State. <laughs> well,
0: it's because they get it's so early in the morning, it's too early to call, so they send it in the mailbag. Yeah. So, well, he, yeah. he
4: he listens in on the app, and he's got a question on um, a couple of verses, John three five and six. And then Ezekiel thirty six twenty five through twenty seven, he wants to know mm-hmm. how in how we get from born of flesh, which involves breaking of water, to the reference in Ezekiel.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the, in the new in the in the Moody Bible Commentary, it goes to that. But J- John three verses five and six say this: I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. It's not the born of water or born of flesh that is at issue. What the commentary is doing is it's pointing back to Ezekiel chapter 36 uh, where it says, uh, it's a promise to Israel, About the time when Israel comes to know the Lord and it says in uh, in verse 25 here's what it says uh, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean I will cleanse you from all your impurities then it says I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you so the reason the commentary and the study Bible are linking Ezekiel 36 because it's talking about the born again experience is when we receive the Spirit, and that's why it says uh, we have to be born of water and the Spirit. And so that's what it's talking about. It's not it's not comparing Ezekiel 36 to being born in the flesh. It's preparing it. It's referring it to the second birth, the new birth, being born by the Spirit of God. That's what it's talking about. So that's why they're linked. Uh, and so it's not a seemingly obscure passage in Ezekiel. Uh, It is a passage that talks about being born of the Spirit. Hope that clarifies it for you, Steve. Hope you're listening. And uh, thanks, Karen, for putting together the mailbag. Really appreciate it. Uh, And uh, by the way, if you're listening and you think, what does it mean to be born of the Spirit? It means to trust that Jesus has died for our sins and rose again, and our sins are forgiven then, We are born of the Spirit, and we have the Holy Spirit come to live inside of us when we trust in Jesus. That's what the Lord Jesus was talking about. So, anyway, we're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we'll be uh, taking more of your calls. This is uh, Michael Oydellick. That was Karen Hendren with The Mailbag, and we're going to come right back. Don't go away. You're listening to Open Line. Welcome back to Open Line. I had a great time in Israel, but I'm really happy to be back. But the interesting thing about being in Israel, it's always in the news. Uh, people ask me questions about it. I read the newspaper about it every day. Uh, it's even in the American newspapers every day. It's, the state is always facing political, diplomatic, even violence. What does the future hold for the nation of Israel? Well, Chosen People Ministries, an underwriter of Open Line, and also an organization that brings the good news of the Lord Jesus to the Jewish people worldwide, Uh, they are offering a free book that answers that question. It's called Israel's Glorious Future. It's written by a former president of Chosen People Ministries, Harold Sevener. It details God's faithfulness to his covenant promises made to Israel in the past, and also the glorious prophecies yet to be fulfilled in the future god's word says that israel does have a glorious future if you'd like a copy of this book just go to openlineradio.org that's our website openlineradio.org click on the link that says a free gift from chosen people ministries and when you click on that you'll be taken to a page where you can sign up for your own free copy of israel's glorious future and we're going to talk right now with sherry in Uniontown, Ohio, listening on WCRF. Welcome to Open Line, Sherry. How can I help you?
3: Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm calling because, um, actually, on behalf of my son, who's working right now, I I told him he had this question, and I said, I know who to call.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Let's see if you got that right. We'll see. Okay, what's the question?
3: (laughs) Well, I'm hoping so. Uh, So he is in... um, life group at our church and they had a conversation earlier this week about losing your salvation and you know i've always believed that you you know once you're saved you're always saved that's what i've been taught and um they were telling him based on revelation 3 5 that you could lose your salvation because jesus says he will not blot out your name out of the book of life uh you know if you're pure so uh, we wanted some clarification on that because I think it's kind of thrown us a little bit.
0: It's It sounds like a salvation experience. Listen to this. In the same way, the victor will be dressed in white clothes. The victor is the person who believed in Jesus, okay? And it sounds mm-hmm. to me like a promise of just the opposite. If you've believed in Jesus, if I've believed in Jesus, if we do that, we're the victors, and we're clothed in white, and God says, I will never... Erase his name from the book of life. What is that saying? It's saying if we trusted in Jesus, right? What mm-hmm. What are we assured? Uh, Just look at it.
3: Uh, eternal salvation is, is what I have always thought. No, but look at the text.
0: What's it saying? If you are, if we understand being dressed in white of being someone who has trusted in Jesus. What does it say? I will do this for you. What does he promise never to do?
3: Never to take your book out of the book of, or take your name out of the book of life.
0: Yeah. Exactly. It's an assurance of salvation, not a promise that you could potentially lose it. It's the exact opposite of what those people were saying. It's an assurance that if we have trusted in Jesus, we are victors. And if we do that, we will uh, never be taken out of the book of life uh, here's what I'm reading the Moody Bible commentary uh, it says that this figure of the book of life shouldn't be, not, should not be pressed to suggest that every person starts out in a positive relationship with God losing such status only in the event of heinous sin, heinous sin. rather it emphasizes the security of the faithful with whom Jesus will gladly identify before the Father and the heavenly host it is our security if we have trusted in Jesus if he's clothed us in white he'll never he'll never kick us out it's just like when I used to talk to my kids and uh, I would say to them listen there's you, you're my child there's nothing you can ever do I will never disown you I would never kick you out of the family that, that's not designed to threaten it it's designed to assure them that they're secure and that's what this verse would say uh you're okay he's he's saying you're always mine it's not a loss of salvation okay
3: okay well maybe it, i'm reading that well i don't know because when i read it it kind of sounds like he's chastising them and threatening so i guess i'm not reading that but
0: he correctly, says but I, <laughs> you have a few people in sardis who have not defiled their clothes and they will walk with me in white because they are worthy Uh, In the same way, the victor will be dressed in white clothes. The victor is anyone that's trusted in Jesus. Uh, Oh, okay. And I will never erase his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and before his angels. So it sounds to me like he's giving us an assurance that if we are those who have trusted in Jesus, we are assured that we'll never be uh, erased from the book of life. By the okay, way, so how is it that how is it that we got in the book of life was by trusting in Jesus?
3: Yes. Okay. Yeah. That that makes me very happy to hear. Okay. Um, yeah. um Can I ask one more thing? Sure. Just uh, my my other son uh, has walked walked away from the faith, and my heart breaks for him. And I just wondered if you would pray for him.
0: Sure, I'm going to pray for him and for every family there's so many parents who say this uh father in heaven you care more for the wandering sheep than we could possibly you you care more you you're the good shepherd and you love them even more than we do and so father for every straying child every child who has uh walked away from what he was raised with or she was raised with lord i pray that you would bring them back that they would remember what it is that they learned growing up and that you would make it possible or or make it the events happen in their life that they turn back and uh, restore their walk with you god you are capable of that we pray for it uh, and we trust you because you care so much and we pray this in jesus name amen uh just remember this uh Sherry, uh, you your responsibility is to keep close ties with that child, be loving and faithful, and you be faithful to him, because that's the best way for him to come around to seeing God's faithfulness to him. Okay?
3: Okay, I will. Thank you. That's
0: that's your that's the most important. You pray for him every day, and also you you stick with him. You be the best mom you can be. Love him, and and the Lord's going to work in that that young man's life okay thank you yeah thanks thanks sherry thanks for your call that's the program for the week thanks for listening everyone especially those of you who called or sent in questions thanks for making open line possible as always i'm grateful for today's open line team karen courtney uh thanks for all that you do when remember keep in touch with open line during the week by going to our website openlineradio.org that page has everything you need including the link to our journeys of fall tour coming up in september of 24 our resource our how to become a kitchen table partner keep reading the bible we'll talk about it next week open line with dr michael ray is a production of moody radio a ministry of moody bible institute